Welcome to the Everyday Conversion Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Sievercrop, and I am just like you. I'm busy with work, family, kids, church, and a million other responsibilities. And honestly, some days I miss my personal scripture study and prayers. And some days we as a family miss our scripture study and prayer. But I'm trying. So if you're not perfect in living the restored gospel of Jesus Christ, but you're trying, well, get along great, and this is the place for you. Five days a week, I'll share a brief episode, often based on the Come Follow Me curriculum for that week, that I'm using to have daily conversations with my kids, whether we're on our way to school or on our way home or if it's real quick before dinner. And you're welcome to use them to do the same with your family or your personal study. Just know that the views and opinions I share are mine alone and do not represent the official doctrine and viewpoint of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Now let's jump right in with today's episode. Okay, so today's episode, I think, may be taking a little bit of a different turn than I thought it was going to when I first started preparing it. And it seems like that happens a lot, and I feel like it's it's a prompting or something that I'm supposed to be talking about. So hopefully, I can tie it all together and make it fit the way I want it to. But we're going to be talking today about Mary's act of anointing Christ's head and his feet because it's one of the most well-known acts of the Savior's life. And as a matter of fact, Christ prophesied that such would be the case, that this would be something that would be remembered forever. So let's take a look at the full account. And in order to get the full picture, we actually have to kind of jump away from some of this week's readings. So this story is found in Matthew 26. And that is one one, um, account of this experience. But the other one is in John 12, which isn't part of our readings. We actually uh, read that a few weeks ago. But it fits, and and it gives us some important information that's not in the Matthew account. So we're going to look at both of those a little bit. So let's go ahead and read here in Matthew 26, verses 6 through 13. It says, When Jesus was in Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, there came unto him a woman, having an alabaster box of very precious ointment, and poured it on his head as he sat at meat. But when his disciples saw it, They had indignation, saying, To what purpose is this waste? For this ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. When Jesus understood it, he said unto them, Why trouble ye the woman? For she hath wrought a good work upon me. For ye have the poor always with you, but me ye have not always. For in that she hath poured this ointment on my body, she did it for my burial." Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall also this, that this woman hath done, be told for a memorial of her. So that gives the basis of it, but it does it does leave out a few things. It leaves out who the person is uh, that did this. It also leaves out which of the apostles had this response. So if we jump over to, to John 12, it says, and, and and you have to look at the context here, John 11 is a story that we looked at previously, which is when Lazarus was raised from the dead. And Lazarus's sisters, Mary and Martha, came to the Savior and told him that Lazarus was sick. And he said, don't worry about it, he'll be fine. 
So this is what happened right before that. And right after that experience, we have this story of the anointing. And it says, Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where, where Lazarus was was where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. Okay, so he comes to Bethany, where Lazarus lives. There they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. So we know that this was in their house, because <laughs> Mary ser- or Martha's serving, and and we know from previous episodes that Martha was. Serving was important to her, so she's serving. Lazarus is sitting at the table. So this is obviously their house. And it says, Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Then said one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him, Why was not this ointment sold for three hundred pence and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bare what was put therein. Then said Jesus, let her alone. Against the day of my burying hath she kept this. So we learn some really important parts here. First off, we learn that this was in the house of Lazarus Lazarus, and Martha and Mary. We also learn that the apostle that opposed this, um, this anointing was Judas Iscariot, the one that would betray him. And he opposed it because he wanted to get the money because he was a thief, so he could take the money. And so as I was studying and preparing for this, just a couple things context-wise. You know, in Matthew, it talks about it being the home of Simon the leper. In John, it talks about how Martha was serving and Lazarus was eating with the Savior in this house, and Mary was anointing. So I want to read this from uh, Elder McConkie in uh, the Doctrinal New Testament Commentary. He says, "Um, This means of identifying the place of the feast gives rise to many interesting speculations, meaning the house of Simon the leper. Who was Simon? If living and present, he was obviously no longer afflicted with leprosy. Was he then one who had been healed by Jesus? And since Martha served and Lazarus sat at the table while Mary anointed the master, was this also their Bethany home? Was Simon their father? The gospel authors seem to have drawn a reverent curtain over many of the details of Jesus' private life and friendships, revealing only those things needed to give proper testimony of his ministry and mission. So we don't know. But it's interesting to think about the fact that this Simon may have been the father of Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. And that, you know, he may have been healed by the Savior. You know, we don't know, but it does draw an interesting parallel. The other thing I want to point out before we get into kind of the the application of this and some of the things that I thought about is this idea of anointing. Um, and to do this, I'm, I'm quoting from the Doctrine of New Testament commentary, but this is from Jesus the Christ. Um, he's quoting James E. Talmadge. And uh, Elder Talmudge says about this anointing, To anoint the head of a guest with ordinary oil was to do him honor. To anoint his feet also was to show unusual and signal regard. 
but the anointing of head and feet with spikenard and in such abundance was an act of reverential homage rarely rendered even to kings. Mary's act was an expression of adoration. It was the fragrant outwelling of a heart overflowing with worship and affection. So this was a big deal. I mean, we, we learn from, from Judas, obviously, that it could have been sold for 300 pence. Um, and if I remember right from previous episodes, one penny was like a day's labor. So this was a lot of money. I mean, this was a very, very expensive gift. And so, you know, Judas obviously was saying, look, this is, this is a waste of money. And we know that his reasons for saying so weren't, uh, noble, (laughs) but as I was thinking about it, I mean, how many times do we get caught up in the things that aren't important and look at the things that are, or, and, and forget about the things that are important. You know, it, it made me think of how many times we let something that's practical get in the way of something that's maybe the better choice or the right choice because it's practical. I know I do that as a parent, you know, um, and in my life I do that at times where, you know, it's, you know, I get so worked about up about something little that my kids do. And in doing so, I miss an opportunity to spend time with them or to teach them a lesson or to interact with them as I'm so worried about <laughs> about whatever it is that they're doing. You know, it, it made me, I just thought of this just as I was saying that, but it makes me think of uh, Brian Regan. He's a comedian. Um, if you're not familiar with him, he's, he's one of my favorite comedians. And he talks about, you know, uh, how his kids one time drew a picture on the wall with crayons. And he started freaking out about it. And he, he kind of jokes, he says, you know, can't you see that uh, the pain on the walls is more important than the joy in your heart? And it's humorous, but it's true. We do that sometimes. We get so worried about practical things that we we miss things that are more important. And it also made me think of a quote that is often quoted from uh, President Thomas S. Monson, who says, never let a problem to be solved become more important than a person to be loved. And I mean, obviously, and, and that was from an October 2008 general conference talk of President Watson's called Finding Joy in the Journey. And I'll link to that in the show notes at everydayconversion.com forward slash zero seven four. But, you know, initially you might think, well, the Savior's actually doing the opposite. He's more worried about this thing, this ointment, <laughs> than he is about a problem about a problem of, you know, people being poor and needing help. Um, But of course, going back again, we know that that's not the reason Judas Iscariot was saying that. You know, that was just what he said. It was not what he actually meant. But if you think about it, the Savior was more worried about Mary and her act of honoring him, of worshiping him, than he was of the value of the ointment of this oil of this of this spikener that could be used that could be sold for a, a large amount of money. So he was more worried about people. He was more worried about Mary and her feelings and her acts of service than he was about the value of something that could be sold. Which leads me into the main thing that I think I wanted to talk about today. 
And the thing that really hit me as I was preparing this, and this is what I had said, I didn't expect this to be the thing that I focused on, but it is the thing that impressed upon me most as I continued to prepare. And that is the importance of allowing others to serve us. That is a really, really hard thing to do. But the Savior was amazing at it. It's so easy and so many times we don't like to be served. We love to serve. We love to take meals to people. We love to help people. We love to go to someone's house and perform service. But we don't like receiving service. And maybe that's just me. But I can tell you, I know a lot of people are that way. And my guess is that you may feel that way a little bit too. It's hard to accept service. We feel like we should be independent. We feel like other people are more deserving. But when we do that, the thing we miss is that we're not allowing others to be blessed. We're not allowing them to act on the promptings that they receive. You know, the Savior could have easily said, no, 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 you don't need to do that. That's fine. I know that you appreciate me, and I, do, I appreciate that you do appreciate me. But no, you don't need to, to do so. You don't need to anoint me. But he knew that it was important for Mary. He knew that it was something that she needed to do, that she felt prompted to do. That was an act of service that she wanted to give. And he graciously accepted it. And he so much so graciously accepted it that he even said that wherever the gospel is preached in the whole world, there shall also this that this woman hath done be told for a memorial of her. You know, he says people are going to remember wherever the gospel is preached. They're going to remember and see what she did her dedication, her act of service. He graciously allowed her to serve. I can't tell you the number of times when someone really was in need and because of their, their pride, or because of their desire to, to be self-sufficient, they didn't want to accept help. And I had this conversation a few different times with people where I said, look, you need to allow others to serve you. I know you don't want to, but you need to allow them to serve you. And that's a really hard thing to do. It's really, really hard. And I don't know why it is. Because I think sometimes we feel like if somebody serves us, it means that we can't take care of ourselves. Which, by the way, is okay sometimes. It's okay that we can't always take care of ourselves. I mean, let's be honest, that's why there's the atonement. Because we can't do it ourselves. It's okay to need help. It's okay to accept help. It's okay to just say, thank you. I appreciate it. But that's really hard to do. Really hard to do. But I can promise you that just as when we serve others and we get that spiritual confirmation, we fill the spirit as we do so, by graciously accepting help from others by graciously allowing others to serve us we can feel those same spiritual feelings we can experience the same blessings we can be blessed by allowing others to serve us by accepting their sacrifice by accepting their gift by accepting their their time and their talents and whatever it is however they serve us by graciously accepting those, we give them an opportunity to be blessed. 
We allow them to be blessed because we allowed them to serve us. And that's a really important thing. So that really struck me as I was preparing today's lesson. So I have two questions for you based on today's lesson or based on today's episode. It's not a lesson, it's an episode. (laughs) The first is, when was a time in your life that the practical choice wasn't actually the right or the best choice? And the second question is, why is it important to allow others to serve us at certain times? All right, that's it for today. Now, I know, I know you want to hang out with me longer, but we both have a ton of things to do today, including living the gospel and trying to be like Jesus. Cue primary children singing. I'm trying to be like Jesus. But hey, if you want to get the links to everything we talked about today, you can find it on the episodes page of everydayconversion.com. You can also do cool stuff like subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast listening platform, sign up for email notifications of new episodes, and connect with us on social media there. It's kind of like a virtual church library without the militant librarians or a piece of paper to sign out your three tiny pieces of chalk for your lesson. Also, just remember, I do my best to make sure my opinions are in line with official church doctrine, but they are just that. They're my opinions. For official doctrine and viewpoints, I recommend you go to churchofjesuschrist.org or comeuntochrist.org. 